Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, February the 18th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Wow, that's too early for me. Hello. And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hola. All right, we are a three-man crew, a three, sorry, a three-person crew, Stephanie. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> that's okay. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make a rift between us on this such an early point in the podcast that's for later that's for later that's for later in the show that will will be at odds um so we are going to be talking of course about our 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 book of the week this week which is our shared book of the week is princeless the pirate princess number one that was that was bob's pick um our individual books of the week and uh we're going to be doing some listener questions and uh chatting about a potential big list to come down the pipe later on at, at at talking comics um we will also be uh, recording for people who are Patreon subscribers. The second part of your of your show this week. So, um, and Stephanie is choosing the topics for that. I'm scared. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're all going to be random, non comic book related. She sent me a couple just to kind of be like, are these okay? And it's gonna it's gonna be a good time. Um, hmm. Ginger or Marianne? A better choice of words. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. So we'll be doing that, and, and if you guys go to patreon.com slash talking comics you can you can uh become a patron and, and you'll be able to hear that if, if, you're, if you're one of those but uh i want to thank all our, our patreon subscribers because we just passed um the 500 dollars mark that's per incredible month. yep wow. thank you everyone yeah which means we'll be getting new equipment for everybody uh which is awesome uh, well new equipment for bob and steve mostly because i got a new microphone not that long ago but we're getting a new microphone for bob and steve and um stephanie also has got a new microphone but we're going to try to get her set up so she can do more video stuff as well yeah. um yeah. so that that will be going there and we'll let you know when that when that all happens yeah, um so you can see me do things like uh, Monday night vlog karaoke in a shark costume. Oh boy! What? Oh yeah, that How was like I a thing that? I did yesterday. <laughs> I also I also did, performed Mandy Moore uh, Candy, a, a lovely song from the '90s as Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> did um, you change the so, lyrics to Gandalf instead of Candy? Is that what happened? It does start with "You shall not pass." <laughs> uh, so. That's right. Yeah. That's the kind of gold you're missing out on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are online, but I mean, they'll be even better quality. Yes. When uh, this this webcam comes along. Yes. Mm. Um, Will we get to see Kaylee and the mirror? And I'll just leave it at that. We'll let yes. we'll tease people with it. Okay, yes. we want to see that. That's, I'll send uh, you a picture too. Oh. It's uh, Jack mm-hmm. White's new album. <laughs> Kaylee and the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh so yeah so thank you guys so much for all of that it's just been fantastic and your support means means the world to us um but 
I can assure you that this podcast will always be free, so you guys don't have to worry yes. about that if you're if you're not going to be giving to the Patreon. But let's uh, let's let's talk a little about some, some comic books. Oh, that's what the show is called Talking Comics. So we should probably yeah, talk about we should talk about that. Yeah, talking um, comics. Yes, yeah, so we were talking about cats. Well, that's we get it, <laughs> Stephanie. Just me. We, we get it. We get it. You we like get cats. it. <laughs> you like cats, Steph. We get it. All right. So please, yeah. just. Uh, just let it go, all right? Bring we get it. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so... Actually, before we get into the comic book stuff, I'm going to derail us a little bit. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> What is it? Is the Misfits? Yes. <laughs> so, I'm a, I'm a little... Uh, I got a... It's much better since I got here. So, so I, I got here, and I had, I had my cranky pants on when I walked in the door today. <laughs> um, so, I mean, everybody who listens probably knows, like... Uh, you know, uh, Bob and I both pretty much come from work to, to, to do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I plan my Tuesday work schedule very, very down to the minute so that I have, I can maximize all my time so I can put as much time in the show as, as I possibly can. And we've been trying to record earlier. Uh, usually we, we start at eight, which we started at eight today, unplanned. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. We've been trying to start at seven. Uh, to, so we are more fresher as, as the show goes along. And so I have started going to work earlier. Uh, because I'm lucky enough where I get to I, I have to do eight hours during the day, but I can kind of choose what eight hours is oh. going to be. Something within reason, like I can't go in at like three p.m. and say till eleven, you know. Yeah. But but you know between eight and eleven, if I show up, I'm pretty much okay. So most of the time I will go into work at ten and stay till six. But um, on, on podcast nights, I try to go in at nine or earlier, so I get home at like five five thirty, and then I'm able to set everything well I, I set up stuff in the morning like i do again this is what i'm so planned i wake up i set up all the equipment then i go to work so i can come home and i can catch up on anything i have to read you know do some twitter stuff you know do some promoting get everything set to go so i can sit down and we can go and do the podcast and i can feel prepared um i got a i got a message um from my, my mother uh earlier that asked me to go to my house and feed my parents house and feed my dogs so uh i had to i came home i dropped off my lovely wife at the at the car dealership to pick up her car and and then i had to go <laughs> i had to go all the way to my parents house which is like 20 minutes away from where i live feed the dogs come back took up the entire amount of time that i had to to do other things and including eat, eat yeah <laughs> Um, to, before I had to usually do the podcast. So I definitely had my cranky pants on b- before I showed up. E- equal two things. One of the things was I didn't get to read a couple of the books I wanted to read before we did this, which pisses me off because I really wanted to talk about them. But that's, that's, I should have left it to the last minute. That, 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 that part's on me. Um, but I will say that what was really nice is I, I walked in um, and for anybody who's, People can probably guess this who listen. Bob doesn't have a cell phone. So <laughs> when stuff goes wrong like this, I can't contact Bob to tell him, hey, it's, you, you, have a couple, you have a couple, you have 15, 20 extra minutes. Um, you can relax. You can come a little later. So when I got here, Bob was already here. Uh, but this is one of the things where like in the moment when I can't tell you that, you're, that I, get, I get annoyed, I'm like, why should you have a cell phone? God. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get here though, and you're here. You're talking to Karen. You guys have a glass of wine poured for me. And I'll have to say that the 20 minutes I, we ate, we talked a little bit, it, it completely turned my mood oh. around. So it was, it was really nice. I'd just sit around and talk to Bob and, and, and Karen and just kind of 
get everything good. And that was one of the times where I was like, okay, it's okay. Bob doesn't have a cell phone <laughs> because I I got to like unwind. I, I, if, if I would have shown up and been upset, and then when Bob showed up, I would still have been cranky. And it, but it was it was really nice primer for this oh, it, was, it was lovely yeah. yeah so i'm not any more prepared but i'm in a better <laughs> mood than i would have been if we had started directly after so i have a thank you to bob and thank you to karen who is standing here but it's not on mic <laughs> she will be one of these days one of these days uh so yeah so i derail this a little bit but so that's all all a big huge excuse why my lightning round consists of very little <laughs> this week <laughs> uh and the dog ate your homework exactly yeah exactly all right, so, Stephanie, <gasps> lightning I, round? I feel kind of bad because I, I suspect a couple of these might be also on Bob's list because, unfortunately, I didn't get to read a lot this week. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's not a problem. It's too bad okay. Bob doesn't send out an email that says all the books he's going to talk about. I know, but I only got to read comics today, unfortunately. It's too, it's too, bad. It's too bad. So, I had limited things I could All right. Do. And I didn't reread Brother Voodoo yet. Rats. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready, Stephanie? Yes. Here we go. Boom. Uh, mostly I'm going to talk about uh, X-Men. Uh, not all new X-Men. Not uncanny X-Men. Just X-Men. Uh, formerly by Brian Wood and currently by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, I am really, really loving this book. Uh, and it's giving me really great hopes for A-Force. Uh, not the title, but the <laughs> book itself, obviously. Um, it is what I wanted X-Men to be when, uh, Olivier Copiel, Cop- Copiel and, um, uh, Brian Wood ori- originally launched the series, uh, last year, year before, and it turned into the catty bitch fest that it was. <laughs> uh, but she's really starting to bring it back to what I was just wanting this to be, which is a team book. Uh, that just happens to focus on women, you know, not kind of like them arguing over who's going to be the leader, not any of that stuff. It's just them getting shit done. Bitches getting shit done. Mm. Uh, And I really love it. Um, I think she's only on it for an arc. Yes. Am I correct? Yeah. Uh, So I'm not looking forward to when she goes off of it, but for the next little while, I, I'm enjoying this ride and uh, look at Monet, who I got familiar with with uh, X-Factor and, you know, Psylocke, uh, Rachel, and Storm even. I'm even really liking Storm. So, that's something that I was checking out. Um, I've been reading Teen Dog still, which is amazing. If you guys aren't reading Teen Dog, it's you're doing a disservice to yourself. Um, Joey Burchino brought up Teen Dog. I, when he came on the show and the first issue came out, and like I was like, um, Joey, I don't know how great Teen Dog could be. And the answer is so great. <laughs> it is so great. Jake Lawrence kills it. It's hilarious. He's a dog. He goes to high school. He loves pizza and skateboards. And he's just cool as heck. Uh, I think it's just... A really fun book, and I can't get enough of it. So it's only, I want to say six issues, uh, six or eight. Um, so make sure you check it out. Um, I don't think it necessarily needs to be something you buy the entire arc of. You can just kind of pick up issue three and be like, oh, teen dog's getting into some shenanigans at school. Wow. 
oh, pizza? Cool. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it's not too story driven. So that, that, that's some things that are going on. Um, I don't really think I have anything else. Well, that's good because your time is up. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. You, I would say you planned that out perfectly, but the word plan, I don't think, is yeah. coming into any sort of... Wait, Stephanie had notes last week. Last week. I did. Okay, last no week. No notes um, this week. I meant to have notes this week, but I had vlog karaoke to do. <laughs> that's one of the habits of highly successful people, by the way. Vlog I, I meant to do something, and I didn't do it. That's definitely... Oh, I thought you meant vlog karaoke. Also, with no, some, oh. also that, yes. Okay. Um, shush, Bobby. <laughs> Judgy McJudgerson. That's me. Wow. I'm a Judgy McJudgerson. (laughs) I have to say, I really enjoyed this X-Men issue as well. Mm. Just a lot about the heroism of these characters that had gone away from over the last little bit when I had even dropped off that book, which I enjoyed more than Stephanie, but Mm -hmm. fell apart for me too. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, we obviously talked about it at length when it was coming out because we were all really excited for it. Um, and it just, again, it really disappointed me that a lot of the book was Rachel and Storm arguing over who was Mm going to be boss lady Yeah, and just kind of being really catty with each other. And to me, that wasn't what, you know, a lady X-Men book should be about. It's, it, to me, was the anti version of what I wanted. And, um... Like it was, it, I just dropped it because I'm not going to spend money on a book that, you know, doesn't give me what I want. No, there were so many fun issues that weren't that, but they yeah. were the outliers. There was a great issue with Jubilee and Wolverine revisiting her childhood haunts or whatever. Yeah, they, and they, they stuck out because they were so different than mm-hmm. what the book had become. And um, I, I haven't been reading uh, Storm, but in this book, you're really starting to see uh, how the death of Wolverine is affecting Storm. Oh, yeah. Well, I have to say, though, in her solo book, there have been three or four issues dealing with that mm. lately. So the two of them really amplify each other. Yeah. I hear Storm um, is in jeopardy. Yes. Sales-wise. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. That doesn't shock me. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, y- you know, the thing about X-Men for me was I felt, and the sad thing about it, right, was I felt like it started incredibly strong. Oh, yeah. You know, those first few issues I was I was totally in on. And, you know, Obviously, I'm perceiving it a different way than you are, Stephanie. Uh, you know, I felt the degrading quality uh, for the same in the same way you did, but I, I guess I felt it for different reasons. I just mm-hmm. whatever was happening, just it began to feel like just repetitive to me. You know, wrote and I wasn't. I began began to disengage from what the characters were doing when it's filled with characters who I normally love. You know, like Psylocke is one of my favorite characters in in, in that universe and. You know, I, I love the way he started out writing her, Brian Wood, where she was just like this badass woman who was great at her job. You know, that that was what she did. Like, yeah. I'm really good at doing these things, and I'm going to do them. You know, and then I felt like, but she became a character, and this is because my personal investment in the character. She being a character that kind of like flitted in and out of the story too much for one of the reasons that I brought me to the book was seeing another great representation of her because uh, she was great, so great in X-Force, Uncanny X-Force. Oh, God, yes. That I wanted to see more of her after that. And that was one of my biggest draws to that book, actually. I mean, I like Brian Wood a lot. Olivia Cope obviously is great. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. I didn't... It didn't work for me mm-hmm. after a while. Just I, I, it, And I fell off of it. It's it one of those books where came to the day where it got on the pile and I just was like, no, I don't want it. 
Wow. You know, and it wasn't an angry thing. It wasn't. It wasn't like I, I hate this book. It was just I don't feel like reading this anymore. It's just not interesting to me anymore. So that, that's what happened um, to me with that. But I, I, you just mentioned X Force, and for the record, I went into a used bookstore uh, last week, I think, and stumbled across the complete collection of X Force, and was like. Oh, why would you do this to me, bookstore gods? Why? I Did you buy it? Spend money. Yes. How much was it? It was significantly cheaper than the cover price. Well, that's good but, then. I mean, it was those books are, you yeah. know, pretty pricey, and so I didn't pay as much. Um, once again, I just want to point out, Marvel, if you're putting books into volumes, those are not complete collections. Oh, that's a, it's a weird nomenclature. Yes, yeah. For those things, the, the Kieran Gillen they put put out like the Kieran Gillen. This is the complete journey into mystery, but it was volume one what? of the complete. Yeah. I'm like, that's and not a complete. It's it's okay. Yes. You can call you can call like a deluxe edition mm-hmm. or something, but it's not a complete collection because it, it's so it's so misleading. Yes, yeah. And like they've been doing that with like all like the Dan Slot, She Hulk, and well, Young Avengers was all one thing to their credit. Yes. Um, but like, I feel so bad for retailers. Because they have to explain, oh, this is the complete collection, but only the first volume of it. And they're like, well, that's not a complete collection. Like The retailers are the ones that suffer because Marvel is too stupid to just call it a deluxe edition. Yeah. Especially when they do those omnibus volumes that Mm. really are complete. You could then say, here, you have this choice. You can buy volume one, two, three, four, or the omnibus that collects all four of them into one giant book that will make sure you never have children if you put it in your lap. It's just, oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> it drives me nuts. Like, I go on a rant every time I pick up. I'm like, I'll buy them because I, I do want the complete runs of, like, Remenders, Uncanny Explorers or whatever. But, like, I'm just so annoyed. I want to scribble out and just be like, that's a complete collection. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's a mission. You could go to bookstores across Canada and cross out complete. Oh. Just ruin books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stephanie was banned from all of the bookstores. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Bob, you ready for your lightning round? Sure. You were born ready for the lightning round. All right, let's get this up here. Boom. Lightning round, go. Well, tying into the holiday just passed, it's Harley Quinn's Valentine's Day special. Uh, She steals a million dollars from Wall Street swindler Barney Runoff so that she can win a night on the town with Bruce Wayne at a charity auction. Now, there's a problem because the mighty carp and his sidekick, Sea Robin, are incensed about the pollution in the Hudson, so they take Bruce hostage. So you get dream sequences, flashbacks, about a half a dozen guest artists, and just the usual fun craziness from Palmiotti and Connor. Captain Marvel number 12 is also out this last week, and back in space, Carol discovers that her ship is powerless, and both her friend Tick and Chewie the Flurkin Cat are missing. <gasps> you know, you can never what's going to happen with those Flurkins. So very military sort of issue. You get a lot of Carol planning and doing captain marvely type stuff with her ship and so on just very very neat and we never know what's going to happen next with those flurkins uh i was going to talk about two very well done x books but i'm just going to talk about one <laughs> and that's nightcrawler number 11 was just another stellar issue by chris clamor and todd nook that begins to really remind me how much i once savored every word he wrote in those x books back in the day because this is for my money, this is what the X-Men should be like. This is just great teamwork. You get Kurt and Bloody Bess trying to save students from the school from her ex-mates, the Crimson Space Pirates. A lot about heroism here, both Kurt and Bess and the kids. 
You get to see the next generation that's coming forward. So absolutely just loving Nightcrawler. Sadly, the next issue is the last one. Hmm. My curse has struck again. <laughs> then there's, speaking of last, it's Spider-Woman number four, which is the last issue before the new direction, or rather the real beginning mm-hmm. of Jess's real adventures. As we dealt with this Spider-Verse stuff, which is the first half of the book, but it's the second half that shines. Back on Earth, she has the decision to make about where her life is going to go to set up that new thing. So lots of Tony Stark stuff, lots of Avengery stuff with old Steve, but more importantly, a lot of wonderful stuff with Carol Danvers. The the back and forth we saw in Avengers Assemble is here in full force by uh, Hopeless and Greg Land, who's both uh, Hopeless staying, Greg Land moving on. And then quickly, because I think I'm running out of time. Mm-hmm. We are running out of time. Yes. At Secret Six, one and two, Gail Simone and Ken Lashley. I wasn't really knocked out by the first issue, I have to say. I, I did say here. Issue two brings a lot of chemistry between these characters, some antagonism. I'm in now. I'm definitely in. Uh, they're just starting to reprint the old ones. The tra- second trade, I think, is this week. So if you want to catch up on old Secret Six, it's there. And the new one is here as well. So it's become a buy, at least until Convergence knocks everything into a cocktail. <laughs> now I'm done. All right. Um, yeah, Spider-Woman, uh, Javier Rodriguez is taking over, I believe, after Greg Land. It looks is, good is from done. the previews. I love Javier Rodriguez. He did, he was the, he was the colorist on Daredevil and then would do fill-ins, um, when Samney would take issues off and he always, they always looked great. The, the whole, the two original Sin tie-ins, which were like the, mo- the mother stuff, were both mm-hmm. Javier Rodriguez, uh, um, drawn books and i loved both of them so i might actually now that we're done with spider-verse and now that we're moved on to new artists i might actually pick up the book and 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 give it a chance because i wasn't before um you mentioned uh sorry you mentioned secret six which is obviously a team of, of villains mm-hmm. or whatever uh i, I do want to mention real quick because we're not really doing a new segment this week but uh they did reveal the new suicide squad um which is parasite uh black hand poison ivy reverse flash the cheetah and the talon um, wow. really completely revamping the, the 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 squad completely really the first time i think since the new 52 started that deadshot and harley quinn aren't two of the central members of, of the squad and you know if you, if you look at who, who's there it's very much like a there there's kind of a a villain for each one of the heroes in the justice league um ah, yeah. there, so there's a superman there's a green lantern there's a batman uh there's actually two batman so i don't know that's he needs two yes he um, does he's batman a, a flash and a, and a wonder woman uh to take him out which i think is cool and i, I like the cast uh it's nice to see poison ivy getting some featured play in, in a book um as well as black hand who is a character i really really love from the the uh the blackest night stuff mm-hmm. and he did great stuff in the the jeff johns green lantern stuff all the way through so i think it, it's a pretty cool announcement it's not a huge announcement but i just Wanted to mention it, it. It definitely steers me more towards checking it out uh, when we get past this convergence stuff because I believe that's when it, it's gonna it's gonna start yeah, with that with June, that group. I guess, yeah. yeah, June. It's also fascinating because it again seems like the opposite of what Marvel is doing because the movie Suicide Squad, which is in production right now, is going to feature basically an exactly opposite cast of <laughs> what's going to be here. So um, I'm surprised that they that they they took out the people that. Um, are going to be in that movie and, and put in a whole new cast, which I think is a is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, pretty cool thing. Bold. Yes. All right. Here we go. My lightning round, which will be very slim on books. Very lightning-y. Yes, starts now. I, I want to mention one thing before I talk about the, the, the comic that I want to talk about during this, which is, uh, I talked about it last week as well, but 
I really, again, loved The Flash and Arrow this week. The Flash, we got our first real kind of Firestorm stuff, which they've been brewing since the since the beginning. And what I love about it most is that they're just they're doing it. Like, it's Martin Stein and Roddy Raymond are fused together into one person, and they're battling kind of inside each other to see, you know, who, who is on top. And I just love that they're going for all that crazy stuff. Um, and I loved what they did with it as well. Uh so that's nice to see that character developing like that. And then Arrow, we got we got a great episode. I mean, we got we got there's turmoil because Ollie is now back and people are infighting, and we we had a major revelation. Uh, Ollie revealed his identity to somebody, and the way that that character responded was exactly the opposite of what I thought they were going to do. And it was a really welcome kind of mature grown up way to take it. And I just loved it. I, the, the scene was great, and the scene could have been the scene I exactly expected. And they went completely against what I thought and delivered a really, I think, affecting scene. The anti-Laurel. The anti-Laurel. <laughs> um, though she has been, I think she's been really good. I, I think they've done a really good job with her over I'm the past couple weeks. I'm a few episodes behind. So. Yeah, the last couple weeks have been really great, especially the last two two weeks. I, I feel like her character has come into its own, her, her own completely, um, which, which is very nice. Um, so the, the book I want to talk about really quick is... Uh, Star Wars Darth Vader, n- number one. It's uh, Kieran Gillen and uh, Savalor Laraka. And I picked up the book because it's a Star Wars book. It's Kieran Gillen and it's Darth Vader. And I wanted to see what it was. But I, I went into it with a lot of reservations because we've talked about it on the show many times, right? That villain explaining villains or giving villains more depth is not always the right thing to do with a villain for me. It, it for, for me, Darth Vader in the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, is pretty much a perfect villain. He is... He seems completely badass, you know? He's, there, there's a, there's some sort of history going on with him, but you don't know what it is, so your mind's allowed to fill in all the blanks about what, what he is, what happened. What is he talking about? Like, he was a good guy, and then he was a bad guy. You know, all that stuff that happens. Just enough. Just enough. Um, and I've already seen what happens when you try to explain what, what, he, what mm-hmm. he is, and it did not make him more badass. It made him so much less badass. So I was very trepidatious here. Now, just like the Star Wars book, this is taking place in the same timeline, which is kind of between episodes one, episodes four and five. And this is the fallout, what happens to Darth Vader after the Death Star gets destroyed. Basically, the Emperor is like, it's your fault. And he, Darth Vader is very much on the ropes w- with the Empire. Wow. And he's doing everything he can to figure out a way to not just get back in his good graces not even really to try to figure out a way to undermine him or to you know come out on top of this whole situation and i thought that stuff was cool you know because it wasn't making him seem like a better person it was just delving into the inner politics of what the empire was about which i think that is kind of fascinating because that is very broad strokes in the movies right it's like the empire exists and they run the galaxy and there are these rebels fighting them and you get a little bit of the political stuff in the original, in the, in the new trilogy, and some of that is okay, but some of it's a little too much. And but I've always wanted to know how did the government exist on these normal planets with the Empire? Because it wasn't yeah. all just desolate nothingness. There was they. You don't just overthrow a government and then there's no remnants of that government left. There's no people left who still believe in it. So what what happens? And this gives you a little bit more of that. There's some real world stuff here. I I still go into it worried that as as i keep reading it they're going to try to explain why he does certain things and doesn't do other things and i don't i don't personally need that but it's written very well 
and it looks really good. Um, and I definitely made me want to pick up another issue of it. Well, there so, you go. Yeah. And I love the they have the opening crawl on the first page, but it's from Darth Vader's perspective. Oh. It's from the Empire's perspective. Yeah. You know, so it, it it's it paints the rebels in, in in a nasty light. But I thought it was cool. Hopefully it keeps being cool and doesn't I guess defang the character because that's what yeah. I don't want to see. I don't, I don't yeah. like seeing that. He's stuff. bad because he didn't get a puppy at Christmas. Yeah. We already know why he's bad. You know, he loved a girl and then she died and then he went crazy. You yeah. know, we know we know the whole we know the whole thing. Um, he sc- he screamed no, Ooh, hated. <laughs> and then he was an evil l- ruler of the empire. So we get it. You like angst. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's his name? Obi Wan cut up all his limbs. Which seemed yes. excessive in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> he could have just cut off one of his limbs. It would probably have been okay. But whatever. Um, all right. So that's our lightning rounds. Let's let's go to our individual books of the week. Stephanie, what's your book of the week this week? Mine is Hopeless Great Warrior by Madeline Flores. Hmm. Uh, so there, there's honestly not that much content in this story. Um, I'm not in this first issue. Uh, it's based off of, I guess it's not really based off of, it's a spinoff uh, of a webcomic that Madeline Flores did on Tumblr. Uh, and now Boombox is publishing um, the series. Uh, but they're original stories. They're not the ones that were posted up on the website. So if you have been following um, this comic for a while, these are all new stories for you. Uh, basically, there is a little green blob lady. <laughs> um, and she is the Great Warrior. And um, if you have ever read Hark a Vagrant um, and you've seen Wonder Woman's little strip where, you know, she she answers the phone and they're like, help us, Wonder Woman. Ah, oh, my God, the world's ending. She's like, are there Nazis? Oh, is that one? That's yeah. And uh, they're like, no, Nazis haven't been around for like ages now. And she's like, well, I can't help you. And they're like, what do you mean you can't help us? Just because there's no Nazis? What? And she's like, yeah, I'm going back to my roots. Uh, so in Help Us Great Warrior, the little blob lady is a bit like that. Um, she uh, is asked to save her uh, world from demons that have, uh, you know, come through some sort of shifty portal thing. And uh, she's like, nah, I don't really feel like it. I had plans today. Um, and she just kind of goes, really does leave. She's like, yeah, I don't want to. And um, until her village is getting attacked, she kind of just really carries on. And just she's a bit like um, Jake and Finn in Adventure Time, too, like, she, she carries on her way. She has fun. But then she's also going on missions. And if she happens to come across a two-headed pterodactyl dragon, she's going to beat it up. But then she's going to carry on her way and have cake, even if it's not very good. There you go. What's more important than cake? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she doesn't want to fight the demons. But when, you know, the fight gets taken to her, you better believe you're going to get your ass whooped. So uh, Help Us Great Warrior was just a lot of fun and another kind of comic that is just silly but sends a really positive message uh, in the sense that this little blob lady is just like yeah I'm awesome yeah look at me look at my fun self uh huh like she's 
just really great. And I've, I've been following this comic off and on, again, on Tumblr, and seeing it come to life with color and physically in my hands um, has just been a real treat for me. So Help Us Great Warrior number one is my book of the week. What is the Great Warrior's actual superpower? Being badass. Okay, that's good she's, enough. She's more or less like, I mean, she's more or less, like, like from what I can gather, just kind of a warrior. Like she's this little blob lady, but she's she's good fighting. She's she's pretty uh, nimble. Okay. Well, a blob uh, would be rolling strong? around a lot. Yeah, strong is good. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just a really fun book. Fun is important. <laughs> so, that. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. Sounds sounds real good. Yeah. It's real good. Go read it. <laughs> Bob. Okay. Tell me about uh, Thor. I feel like we talked about Thor last week. Yes, it did say, I think it was only two weeks ago. It was two weeks back, ago? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of warrior women, yes. though not a blobby one in this case, it's just an, it's Thor number five, Jason Arrow, and Jorge Molina, a guest artist. Just another just really great issue, and it doesn't bring us any closer to the answers, which I just discovered today might not be till May, which is a little troubling, but nevertheless, we still don't know who, who's wielding the hammer, and Odin's not real happy about that turn of events and he's madder than you know thor odin's son is because he's seated the hammer off quite nicely in the last issue but since odin has the means motive and opportunity to do some stuff about it there's trouble afoot and we'll just leave it at that mm-hmm. you, know, you open up though with a great scene earthside as the new thor encounters a classic journey into mystery villain and glory of glories, he's just robbing a bank. <laughs> just wants some, just wants some dough. You know, you don't see that in comics much in this day and age. It's all this other mega stuff. Rob a bank, just go right. And this character, that's what he did, and that's what you do. So good for him. You get a nice check in where the old Thor uh, visits Lady Sif, so we can sort of check her off the list. There is a list in this issue. Yes. where the last panels. It's so cool. You watch Thor <laughs> checking the boxes off. And his mom, you know, the Lady Freya, is around too. She has a lovely moment. And I'm sure she'll have more to say moving forward. She apparently wishes she'd tried to pick up the hammer. It's just tons of little wonderful stuff. And a great story told across two worlds. Tons of meta-fun things as it references itself. But not in a way that's silly, but in a way that draws you into what's happening. The art, Russell Dowderman has been spectacular. Jorge Molina is really very good here. A nice little change of pace. We still don't know what's going to happen. May not for months. Only Jason Aaron knows, but I'm enjoying this ride so far. So good on the team involved. Yeah, me too. I I heard someone posit the the theory that it's Sue Storm. Hmm. <laughs> I heard that too. Yeah. But, um. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's, I think it's say. an out there theory, obviously. Yeah. But I think I thought it was an interesting one to bring up because I hadn't thought of it at all. Yeah. She's an agent of Shield now. She could, <laughs> she'd be worthy to hold the hammer. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I thought the issue was fun. I, I, you know, I. He always said right when they talked about that that, I guess I'm gonna call him the Odin son now so it's less confusing uh the Odin son wasn't going away that he would still be a big part of the book and 
I've I've enjoyed the the kind of the last two issues having the the split focus between the mm-hmm. two of them, at at least for a few issues because it, it show it gives context I think to the fictional weight of losing the hammer and you know Thor is he passed off the 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 you know the the helm of being of being Thor to the, this new this new character but he you can tell he, he still is obsessing about yeah. it as well he you know he's he's building this list he's crossing off names and it's funny cuz all of those names it feels like Jason Aaron went on the internet and like looked at what everybody yes. was yeah. positing and it's just messing with us you know he's putting all those names uh, on that list and I, I liked how they juxtapose between how Thor deals with it and how Odin deals with it, which Odin has these huge plots that he, he's trying to put forth. He, he He's plotting to, to destroy her. He's enlisting help of very questionable people in order to do that. And I, I, I enjoyed seeing the way that both of them deal with it differently. And I do also love that it deals with, you know, people bemoaning the loss of the all mother in yeah. and being replaced by the all father. I thought that was cool. Um, because basically since I've been reading Thor or journey to mystery comics, it's been this all mother thing and hasn't been the Odin hasn't been the head of it. So it's been, it's fun to see how the characters in the fiction are reacting to, to, to that happening. You know, I, I, I felt a little bit more in this issue. Okay. With not knowing because I feel like in the last issue he was playing with you. He was he was being like, I know who it is, and you don't. Yeah. So, and here I didn't feel that. Here I felt like it was more, um, it, it was more off the table. You know, he wasn't dangling in front of you, so it didn't bother me as much that I didn't know about it. But I I, I did really enjoy it. You know, I, I, it was a little bit dialogue heavy for me at at points. I felt like it reiterated a few of the same points a, a few times. But other than some dialogue hitches here and there i think it remains it remains great so steph i know that you were having some misgivings about the last issue did you read number five yet i did and i have a couple of things that i'm not particularly liking about this issue that more so or the series that more so come to light in number five uh specifically i didn't dig the art okay um like everyone had like mars attack heads like they're like really <laughs> thin at the bottom and then like fan out into cones at the top what is happening um but and like the faces are really weird too like there was a couple shots of sif and i was like why are her eyes like by her nostrils <laughs> whose face looks like that um so i mean that's just like artist nick picks whatever um but there's a couple things too that like i'm finding i mean Nikki and I discussed this at the snail last week and she's really into it and the whole, you know, chasing the mystery of who Thor, Lady Thor is. But it's getting aggravating to me that like they're driving home, like every issue is a recap on this is Lady Thor and like everyone has to have this like dialogue bubble where they're like, is she Lady Thor? Is she Thorita? No, she's actually Thor. Like we get it. She's Thor. Uh, and like, I, I'm just kind of getting sick of them trying to be like, she's the goddess of thunder named Thor, not anything else. It, it, it's getting old. Um, and one thing that actually irked me about the book, um, like I realize Jason Aaron is doing, he's doing a good job, but there's little things like 
she has this word bubble where she's like, thanks for making feminist sound like a four-letter word. And instead of, like, saying it, she just thinks it. Like, say that shit. Um, and there was another thing, too, where, um, like, Titania just gives up the fight. Uh, like, she fights Absorbing Man. Thor fights Absorbing Man. And then Titania's like, I'm going to let myself go to jail because girl power. F that. Like, you can't say that one woman in this book is strong because she's the hero. But the other female character in this book, even though she's a villain, is going to give up because girl power? That No. Well, that, that really irked me. That character has had moments like that in the past with She-Hulk and a few other... But, like, I mean, to me, it doesn't send a very good message. You know, it's like, oh, well, for the sake of girl power, I'm going to go to prison for no good reason. It, it just, like, rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, I got to say, message message aside, that 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 interaction, it, it wasn't even about the message. It was it just it rang narratively false t- to me. Um, and it, it felt, look, I mean, I would rather somebody try too hard than not try at all. But it felt like trying too hard. Yeah. You know, I, I, I totally get the intention. I think the intention is good, right? But Yes, and I, I totally see that. Yeah. I just, like, like, it's like we've talked to Kelly Sue several times now. And, you know, Jason Aaron seems to have a good grasp on writing women. But he seems to be writing women like they're women as opposed to writing women like we're people. I, mean, um, I don't think it's 100 percent like that. Not, I mean, I, not, I'm not that, that. That's a bit harsh, but like yeah. at the same time, like he, he, uh, he. It's it's just in those little moments. Do you know? Do no, you know I know. I, mean? I, like, I think that there are moments where it it slips. Yeah, like yeah. it's great for the most part when it's great, mm-hmm. and then it's like he loses focus of the fact that, like, what would I do if I was a female villain? Would I go to prison for girl power? No. Yeah, I, I, to me, what it feels like more is him. Resp- and again, we're speaking for someone who obviously can't speak for himself right now, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit weird. But him, I, I think it's him blowing back against, trying to blow back against the people who have been so hateful, you know, on the other side on the internet. But it gets a little bit too meta for me, and that's really my issue with that stuff in general. You know, I, I whether it's about feminism, whether it's about anything, when it get things get too meta, when I feel like the the author is talking to me instead of telling me a story that's when i often disengage you know it happened um for me like i told you i, I loved the first issue the second issue of bitch, bitch planet but in the first issue i felt like kelly sue was talking to me sometimes and i disengage from, from that it's just not my thing and, and that's what i feel like a little bit he's doing here he's more he's more having her these characters speak send a message that he wants to p- convey but it makes them feel narratively weak to me um, that's just my opinion on, on those scenes. Yeah, like, um, I like the overall message and the book um, and the art previously up mm. until this issue. Uh, but again, like, last time there was that thing with the kiss and um, every just now and again in these books, there's this one thing that just isn't clicking with me wholeheartedly. It just takes me out of the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't want to nick a pick at these books. Like, I, I know a lot of people probably think I'm just a potster, And that's true <laughs> sometimes, yes. 
But um, like, I can't help that, you know, some of these things just aren't vibing with me, you know, like I just, um, I want to love this book. And as something, as someone who, you know, really wants to help promote female centric books and characters, like, I just wish that they were portrayed more, not necessarily realistically, because she's a goddess of thunder. Mm -hmm. But the things that you can make realistic, make them realistic. Right. And I think also, and I always do this too, the the things that I think are really great, or the potential to be really great, I end up being more harsh, not harsh about, but more, more critical about. Because you can see you can see the the light at the end of the tunnel, right? You can see how those things could just be tweaked a little bit here and there, and it it could have been w- one of my favorite things. And, and, you know, because if this book was bad, we wouldn't spend this much time talking about sure. it. You know, it, it, it would just be like... there for something to have been... Right, we talked about Wonder Woman yep. for one issue, and then we never talked about it again. Yeah. So th- there's stuff... There has to be something there for you in order to, to, to pick apart. Because... You, I mean, just look at the way you're talking about it, Stefan. You're not talking about overall plot. You're not talking about... I mean, this is a guest artist, so if you don't like the guest artist, that's that's fine. Um, but in general, you, you like the art. You know, in general, you like the direction of the book, but there are little things that send it off course. And it's important, I think, you know, to, to talk about those things. So then you're, if you're not talking about the things, then you're not... We're not being critical of the book. We're just... We're just glossing over things, and I don't want us to gloss over no, things. What's and yours? I think it's yeah. important too that, like, I mean, I'm not under the impression that we're the most important podcast in the world, and all the creators listen to us. No, for you know, it's like, absolutely feedback. not true. <laughs> but I mean, to me, like, I want to pro- if say Jason Aaron happened to listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. like, I want to provide, be able to provide insight to someone in order to kind of. You know, be like, oh, maybe I am unintentionally, mm-hmm. like, trying to be like, what would someone with a vagina do in this situation? Uh, like, instead of being like, what would I do in this situation? What would somebody, does anybody do in this situation? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, that's, to me, a really important aspect of critical feedback. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Yeah, and the Oscar Wilde quote is, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's Thor number five, Jason Aaron and Jorge Molina. All right. So I, I, I got my book of the week here. This is, a, this is a run for me right now. I'm going to talk about Divinity number one, which is another Valiant book. Oh. Um, and I picked this up. It's in their kind of sort of prestige format. There's really, really nice cover to it. And, you know, high quality paper and knew nothing about it. Really liked the cover. I, I, I really like Matt Kent and I think, uh, he does very interesting stuff. So, and I didn't, this wasn't a character that had been out before. I don't think it involves any characters that they've ever seen before in the universe. So I knew I could read it and, and just be, just be a part of it. And I got to tell you, I, 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 I've really liked some of the stuff I've read. I've loved the humor of Archer and Armstrong. I think it's great fun the the content of divinity number one kind of blew me away with how intelligent it is how layered it is and how how much there's going on below the surface so divinity takes place in two timelines 1945 and now and 
there's a character named Abram Adams who we start off, he's left on the doorstep in Russia and he is raised to be kind of this Russian Superman. Uh, he's not, a, not necessarily a superhero, but he's, he's top physical condition. You know, he's top mental acuity and they want to send him to this, this 30 year space mission, basically. Um, their, their whole thing is they don't want to just beat the Americans to the moon. They want to pulverize them. They yeah. just want a deep space mission. You're, you're not coming back this kind of thing. And so he goes on this mission and then we've also have this storyline which takes place now where we get this this hiker this camper who is um who we see climbing this mountain he's he's gone out without his friends cuz he wants to clear his mind and and he he falls off this mountain and hits his head and then he is kind of lost no one knows where he is he has to he's kind of wandering lost in the desert and he and he intersects with this this tribe but the entire book is framed by this narrator where he talks about it it, like a book there's a dog-eared page this is where abram adams lives here's a dog-eared page this is where this person lives it's like but when the book is closed in a certain way these two pages meet and the two timelines begin to intersect so we've got Abram showing up in, in, in the present time, but he's very different than the one that we saw in, in the past. But there are there there's visual there's visual clues that of, of what happened to him, but there's a lot of time jumping, there's a lot of unexplained stuff, and it almost gives me that feel of sort of like a Grant Morrison type type of story. Um it, it's it's dealing with, you know, the book is very short on information as far as overall mythology and plot goes. We know this guy goes away. It it, it flies away in Russia. And then we're in the present time and he's somehow the exact same age. And he's in this world. He's got this weird costume on. He's, he seems to be manipulating space and time in some way. So there's all this stuff happening, but there's all this big sci-fi stuff, which is a big hook for me. But the real thing is that what we get about Abrams when he's in his regular life is very endearing and, and, and mysterious, but it resolves its personal mysteries even while it's setting up its fiction mysteries, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you get this portrait of Abrams at the beginning where he's just this guy who's just going to... He's he, he's all about the country. He's going to fly away. He listens to everything. He never breaks an order. You know, he's not allowed to have a family. He's not allowed to have a loved one. He's not allowed to have any of this stuff. And one of the last times we see him on Earth, he walks into his apartment and he's brought flowers for this woman that he apparently lives with, who he's hiding his relationship yeah. from from the government. And all of a sudden, there's another side to him that wasn't there before. And it's done with minimal dialogue. It's done with It's done with the great art. I mean... His name is uh, Trevor Hairsign, and the, the, the art is gorgeous and, and so expressive and so well done. And, you know, I just really fell hard for it, uh, mostly because I loved the vagueness of what was happening. I could understand the broad strokes. I could start filling in my brain with what does this mean and what does that mean, even though it wasn't hand-delivered to me. So... I'm incredibly excited to keep reading this book and incredibly excited to see where it goes. Um, you know, I, I, this is the first book that I've read from them that feels different than just another 
superhero type of book. Um, it has a totally different feel to it, a totally different tone to it. And I am really excited to see where it goes and where it ends up. And it feels like Matt Kent doing Matt Kent just within the structure of this universe. Yeah. So it sounds like an image book. Honestly. It does sound yeah. like, it, and that's what, after I finished reading it, that's what yeah. it felt like to me. It felt like I was reading an image book. You know, it felt like something maybe Grant Morrison or Mark Millar or, or someone like that w- w- would be doing. Um, Cause it's still be dealing in superhero tropes, but is completely flipping them yeah. and, and doing different stuff with them. So, I, I really, you know, I really loved it. Or a Rick Remender kind of thing. I, that, that's sort of what it felt like to me. So I, I can't recommend Divinity Number 1 enough. If if you're not reading Valiant stuff, it's okay. Pick it up. I, I didn't see any ties to the universe that I knew of. That's important. Maybe I'm missing them, but almost more importantly than there not being one, I didn't feel like I would, needed to grasp for them while I was reading yeah. it, you know? So really great. Really, really great stuff. Divinity Number 1, I, I, I re- highly, highly suggest it to anyone who, who gets a chance to read it. It's a gorgeous looking package. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, the cover is is great. The cover is really great. All right. Shared book of the week time. Here we go. I'm going to pass this torch over to Bob. We're going to start talking about Princeless, the Pirate Princess number 1. Yes, now it's uh this time it's it's Jeremy Whitley with a uh a varied art team which we will get into presently we talk about the book, but just to bring everyone up to speed in case no one's been reading Princeless over the time we're two volumes into trade paperbacks and a couple of standalone issues. From the very start, Princess has been a book that really speaks to the importance of self-empowerment. It's got tons of positive message about equality and diversity, and all within a just great all-ages adventure tale with genuine laugh-out-loud moments on top of everything else. And it's all-ages in the best way in that parents and children can both get something out of it at once, which is not the usual in this day and age. Mm-hmm. It's very much one or the other. It's great as... Uh, Little Gotham and those sort of things are, they're sort of very kiddish. This is layered, which is just lovely. Uh, the, the general heroine of these books is the teenage princess Adrienne, who craves more than the prescribed life that her father sets out to her of being a princess, especially when he sticks her in a tower hmm. when she comes of age. What she does is, as is the title of the first arc, she saves herself. With the help of her dragon Sparky, what a great name for a dragon, and her brother Devin, who actually sort of covers her escape and hands her a sword, she is not going to wait for a night's rescue. She rescues herself and takes off after her other sisters, both actual and metaphoric, and finds all sorts of new friends to meet the uh, dwarf but full-size blacksmith Delia Smith. <laughs> she has her mother's height, as she points out. And, and so just camaraderie, friendship, all the things you want to see in, in a book like this. And through Adrian's exploits, Jeremy Whitley has just, he uses gentle satire, little winks here and there to point out the tropes of superhero comics and uh, other uh, representations of, of female characters in the other medium. And he does this in a way that is not preachy, that will get discussions going between children and parents about all this is going, and yet still... You've got a fun, tremendously wonderful book. I've, rec- I've since this book began. I can't tell you how many I've re- times I've recommended this. 
how many gifts I've given of this to the point I don't even own the trade paperback copy because my last one went on, I think, what's now going to be a permanent loan. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go get another one. They're just reprinting it, so that it's all really good to go. So hopefully that sets the stage as we now talk about this new miniseries, which is Princeless the Pirate Princess. Now here, it's Jeremy Whitley with Rosie Higgins, who does pencils and colors, and Ted Brand, who does layouts, inks, and letters. So it's a slightly different art style. Some of this material was actually in their free comic book day uh, from two years ago with a different art style, but it's the same script, which is really fascinating to then contrast and compare. It is very much a Disney style, if I had to put something on it, but there's a certain edge to it that is not. And so don't people don't look at this as saying, oh, it's, it's kitty. No, it really isn't. It is still... Packed with Adventure, the layouts here are stupendous, particularly as some of the action sequences take place. And again, as we've seen in so many books recently where people have decided to replicate the action within the panel structure, mm. which comes, it, it just, it really gets your eye moving and creates movement for the story itself. Anyway, what we have here, though, is we have a new character introduced. It's Raven, and she's being told the story by her father, who is the pirate king, of her great-grandmother, who is the one of the dread pirates of the sea. And her father is supportive of the idea that she is going to be something else than just, you know, a girl. And she's all for that. She's taught herself martial arts and sword play and whatever. And she finds herself stuck in that same sort of tower that Adrienne does. And then one afternoon, she's got a visit as, you know, hello, <laughs> there's a giant pink dragon flying there. And Adrienne is there as well. And, and it's, you look like you need to be rescued, says Adrian. Um, yes, please, if you don't mind. Awesome. Let me go park my dragon, and I'll be right back. Um, there, of course, are, are knights waiting to rescue. They're down at the bottom of the uh, the tower. And Adrian, who always, she dresses, she has, she has male armor crafted for her by Bedelia. Um, th there was an issue a while back. It's issue three of the original series where uh, you go into her armory and discover the Woman Warrior collection, which is sort of Xena, Wonder Woman, and Red Sonia. <laughs> no one would wear that. Their bellies are open and all the rest of this sort of stuff. And Adrian starts, you know, fighting this knight. And the first thing she does is basically gives him a curly. <laughs> she nyuck nyucks him and pokes him in the eye. It's just tons of fun. And we then move on to Raven taking care of business herself, flying out of the tower, swinging down on a rope, shooting arrows all over the place the way her ancestor did because you, you launch an arrow into the mast of a pirate ship to mark your territory and we move forward as these they become friends they decide to take up a new mission on their own now the second issue is out digitally i believe yeah but not physically yet so yeah. i don't want to spoil too much but there's some really neat stuff in issue number two as there might be a quick rift because well raven has her own designs on some things she needs to rescue some folks too and make some statements because she wants to be a pirate in the best way in this case decides to i don't know schmooze sparky a little bit feeding some some giant hams or whatever you know he really likes being scratched under his fire glands you know they get itchy now and again and adrian's a little a little jealous of this but as they move on to their mission which is blowing up pirate ships which is pretty cool they come to an agreement after some, you know, squabbling. Uh, it's the nature of friendship and heroism takes takes to the fore as bad things happen that become good things. 
I don't I don't want to go too much further into three and four because I want to leave surprises for those who don't read digitally. The books are coming in March and April. Uh, Jeremy Whitley was uh, nice enough to share those with us ahead of time. I I'm in love with this book and have been since the beginning. What do you guys think, Stephanie? What What about you? I loved it. Uh, I do remember reading uh, this from a while ago uh, and just kind of seeing this come to life with new art and. You know, I read Nikki's review of it and heard her rave about how much she loves this. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. Her username is I am Asian Batgirl. And on Misfits this week, she came out as Asian. Um, it was a big deal. We're proud of you, Nikki. Thank you. Um, but she went on to discuss how amazing it is to have uh, representation. You know, a character that kicks butt and is someone that you can look up to as a kid. You know, she was talking about how Disney princesses, um, uh, like Mulan was her favorite. And now she has princess, uh, as like a whole group of role models, uh, all women, not necessarily, it's like sort of rat queens ish in a sense where it's like all ages, but they're just, you know, these, sassy brawling awesome bitches um that just happen to be women um they have so much personality and i i I thought it was a really great book that like bob said like i could see myself recommending this to pretty much anyone uh and not feeling there's some books where you're you're a little bit like wary um you're like oh you should read this but then it's like, oh, my God, I hope they like it. Or, oh, my God, I hope it's, you know, like, it's it's good for kids, but maybe not unless their kid's over, like, eight or nine. Yeah. And this is something that I think anyone can just pick up and read. Uh, there's violence, but it's not gratuitous violence. Um, it's nothing that you would need to cover your kid's eyes from. Uh and I just think it's a really fun story to share. Like, it, it felt like a comic book version of something my parents would read me before bed. Mm-hmm. So. I gave a copy of this to my boss, her big comic fan, as is her husband. They're Dungeons and Dragons people and the whole thing. Her daughter's named Diana for Wonder Woman. And so picked up a copy of this at the last con from Jeremy Whitley and gave it to them and is now one of their go-to books. That she's you know, she's five and just sort of reading by herself, but they, they share it. There's something they can read a little bit together, and that's there aren't that many comics that you can do that with that everyone gets something out of it. And so, uh, Stephanie, I think you hit her on the head. And as Nikki pointed out in her review, you look at the cover of this book, and here are three women of three different ethnicities, all doing really cool stuff, and they have flaws. You know, this is not all squeaky clean. They do some backstabby stuff if that that's a, definitely a stephanie kind of word and i sorry if i stole that but there's no, definitely you some you don't ever have to apologize okay. there's definitely some subterfuge here and there but it all finds a way to work itself out because the, the characters speak to each other and work things out and that's just little subtle things that are all here to pick up on Bobby, what did you think? You took a run through this, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, no. I, I, I just, I decided not to read the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the idea I came up with, I was like, I'm done yeah. with that after two yeah. weeks. I'm all done. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I did read it, and I, I definitely enjoyed it. There are, 
I, I agree with you about the Disney aspect of it. I think it does. It looks, uh, I mean, it's possibly because it is an Asian protagonist, but it, it reminded me of Mulan a, a lot. Like the, not the story, but just the, the art style mm-hmm. reminded me of that a lot. Uh, I, I, and I love the art, you know, bringing me back to thinking about those movies that I loved when I was a kid attached me to the book in a way that I think the, the previous art styles, which were still great, didn't attach me the same way. Mm-hmm. So I liked that a lot. I thought that the colors were, were popped in the right way. I thought that the way that he, they used the palette in it. Fantastic. Um, I enjoyed the story, but I run into the same problem with princess that I run into with a lot of books like this, which is that it's great. And I can appreciate it on kind of an issue to issue basis, but there isn't a lot, for me that draws me back into it uh, uh, wanting to read it month to month right there's the the idea of it is, is sound but and i'm like well this is incredibly charming it's incredibly well written i could definitely give this to anybody to read and there's definitely uh, something here for anyone to read, read in comics but for me as as a reader who is so driven by um i i guess fiction and, and narrative and plot while there is narrative and plot here it's not the kind of plot that, that drives me to, to pick up issues. It's the same thing I have with Lumberjanes. It's the same thing like, mm-hmm. and these, and this isn't the fault of the book. This isn't saying the book is bad. It's just for a comic reader and, and a fiction reader like me more than anything else, it's not something that I'm probably going to keep picking up f- for that reason. I, I will say this. So the, the issue itself, uh, I love when things play against type, in any medium. It's one of the reasons I love Joss Whedon so much because that's one of the central conceits of his writing, which is you play against expectation mm-hmm. at all time. You subvert the genre you exist in because that is more interesting than going along with the genre conventions that have existed for however many years. And Princess is all about that, right? The way it's, the way it begins, that prologue that it has to what happens and when we get to the present time in the story where she's in that tower and you're, yeah. she's a life never goes the way you expect. Yeah. That's a, a great moment. And, and it made me laugh, um, to the way the fight plays out uh, on the ground. You know, you, you can tell when you see that, that, that night that he's not a very tough night. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and if, even if you haven't read previous princeless issues, you can tell when this character shows up riding a dragon, you know, that she could probably handle herself pretty well. So, I, I figured the night wouldn't have much much chance, yeah. but I liked the way that they resolved that fight. I, I love how she comes flipping out of the tower and does that thing. But but what I like about it is that in that moment, you you, you don't have that thought like wow she can do this. You have that this thought like because you've seen that prologue, you have the thought like you guys better watch out because she can do this. Yeah. You know, and I, I love those moments in stories as well. There's um this great moment in um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So after season two, the, she, she, she I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around, not spoiling the end of season yeah, two of yeah, Buffy yeah, the Vampire yeah. Slayer, but <laughs> Buffy, Buffy sends Angel to hell and cause he has been bad and he's going to bring about the end of the world. So she, but she goes away for a while. Like she, she can't deal with it cause she's the, she's the person he, she, he is the person she loves and she can't deal with the fact that she killed him. So she goes off and she ends up kind of like, trapped in this sort of like slave labor camp um this demon slave labor camp and she's kind of not using her powers and then there's a moment where she decides to use her powers and it's this great great moment where she's getting pushed around and they just push her a little bit too far and when they push her a little bit too far she's this great moment where she like stands up and she has and you just know you have that thought in your head like 
you made a big mistake. Yeah. And, and I, I love those moments and stories as well. And they plenty exist here. Um, I'm ex- I do like the idea of these two characters having different means to an end. You know, the, the one character seems like she is just, she's a good person who's trying to do right and try to take people in a similar situation as her and liberate them the way that she was, mm-hmm. she liberated herself. But I love that the, 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 the pirate princess in question, she, she's happy that she's freed, but that's not really what she yeah. wants. She doesn't really, she, she likes being free, but she, it's not enough to be free. Yeah. She wants to, she wants to drive home and stick it in the face of the people who put it there in the yeah. first place. I, I think that the difference between those two motivations is really cool. Um, all that stuff I think is great. And it's funny because I didn't walk away from this issue being like negative about anything. But when I finished it, I, I, even though I have, we have all four issues Mm -hmm. of the series for me as a reader, I wasn't driven to go to the, to the next thing. And I I think that it's an important designation, I think in, in talking about this stuff, because I think we too often get this, get into these modes where if something isn't for you, then it's bad. Right. Right. And we all do it. I mean, I do it. Yeah. You do it. Stephanie does it. Steve does it. We all do it. I don't think Princess is for me, um, but that doesn't change the fact that I think it's it's written very well. It looks great, and it has a lot to offer to anyone who responds to this kind of story in a serialized manner. If this was a movie, I would watch it in a second, and I would love it. I would I would be raving about it. But in a serialized format, I, I just there has to be something more for me. Not more. Something different for me. To want to come back month okay. to month. I really think this is one of these books just because, first of all, it's going to be hard to find in most stores issue by issue. Mm-hmm. It's going to be absorbed by people as a trade paperback. Right. Complete arcs at once. And that might make a difference. Yeah. It might. Yeah. Absolutely. For those on the fence. If somebody handed me the trade of this, I would read it and probably love it. Yeah. Um, but uh, and not that I didn't like, 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 like the first issue, but. I would read it in one sitting, but that was great. And tell people, you should, you should definitely t- check this out. Do you have a kid who wants to read comics? This might be a good comic for them t- to read. But month to month, it's not. I don't think, I don't think it's for me. But that's, that's, that's the only criticism I really have for it. Which is not really a criticism no. as much as it is as a personal... Yeah. yeah. We talked about this before we got on air, right? Where the way I deal with reading reviews or listening to reviews is if I know the reviewer, I know what they like and they don't like. So I know how my interests line up immediately, but also you can you can learn a lot about whether or not you'll like something, not just from the things they say the reviewer likes, but the things they don't like. Because if the things they don't like are things that you love, then you know I'm probably gonna like this thing mm-hmm. that they're talking about. So yeah, that's that's it though yeah. for me on, on Princeless. Um, Stephanie, do you have anything else you want to say about it? Nope. Okay, <laughs> Bob, do you want to do you have anything you want to no, say in closing? Right. Do we have any? Comments from we the, do. the readers. Thank you for reminding listeners. me of that, Bob. I do appreciate that. Let's see here. All right. Um, well, um, so Stephanie mentioned uh, Nikki. Uh, I am Asian Batgirl said, I said it on the Misfits. Princeless is everything five-year-old geek Nikki ever wanted. <laughs> um, Jennifer de Guzman put a picture of her 18 month old and said, it's approved by her. It's a picture <laughs> of her holding the book and pointing at it. Um, so Maria Norris says, Princeless was everything I wanted in a comic book, and I really wish it was around when I was a young girl. I read it again straight after a comic, which made me so angry I threw it away. <laughs> Princeless was the perfect antidote to that. 
Um, so we had a couple responses to, yeah. to that one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Steve is not here today, but next week is his choice, and he sent in his pick. We are going to be doing um, Plunder Number 1 from Boom Archaea, mm. written by Swifty Lang with art by Scuds McKinley, which both sound like fake names, but I'm going yes. to I'm gonna believe, Steve, that they are real names. <laughs> is it about pirates? Uh, with a name like it Plunder? It looks like it. It looks like it. Mm. It looks like there's a ship with like a leviathan coming out of the water. Wow. He sent a cover image along, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for our book of the week. We're going to take a short break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about some listener feedback and also some future stuff coming from Talking Comics. We are back, and uh, this this kind of second half is going to be not the usual structure. We have a whole topic thing to talk about, with a little more free form with mm. what we're talking about here. With uh, we're gonna we are planning in the near future on talking comics to hopefully do a top 100 comic book characters of all time. It's gonna be a really long process. Get a lot of people involved from the site, but I was hoping that we could talk just a little bit about not necessarily who would make the list on this show because it's for a whole huge conversation yeah. to have with everybody, but when we think about top 100 characters of all time, we think about the best characters of all time, what do we use as our personal criteria for that? If we, if you were going to sit down and make that list, and it's not hypothetical for Bob because Bob brought his list with him. <laughs> They're here. Um, uh, if you're going to sit down and make that list, how would you order things? How would you figure stuff out? I mean... Part of this is brought on because Talking Movies is doing their top 50 movies of all time, and uh, Brian and Nick both put up very interesting reads about how they chose their lists and, and how they did it, um, and it got me thinking about how to ch- how we would choose our lists. So, Bob, you already have your list. Um, when you make a list like that, what's your what's your motivation? Mm-hmm. What's your thought process? What do you take into account when you're ranking that kind of thing? Sure. Uh, there also would be two separate sort of lists. There's the personal list. Mm-hmm. And then if you're making just the historically, oh, who has to be on this list? And mm-hmm. then you try to order from there. But for me, that does take into, that, is, that historical importance does take precedent, first of all, for me. Then it's cultural relevance, you know, that the character has, then, has enough legs to still make a difference and then and now. You want resonant story arcs. You know, where there have been swaths of stories that just take in so much territory, so much emotion, so much weight that they then carry a character maybe through a bad patch that moves. Because not all these characters, and that's all of them, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, they've not all been good for their entire history. Mm-hmm. But it's the memory of when they are good that pulls you through and remembers you reminded of when that character was great. So you mm-hmm. can say, yeah, I didn't care much for when they turned Wonder Woman into Emma Peel. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because everything before and after was great. So mm. there's a glitch. You go that way, and, and stay, innovation's important. You know, some some character that's the first of something, that's bonus points. That's a couple extra ping pong balls in the lottery as you're picking. That's really about it. You know, you, that covers a heck of a lot of ground on my end, I think. But it, yeah, that's where I'm at. Stephanie, if you were going to sit down and make a list of your top 100 comic book characters of all time, it was and it was just your list. 
what what would you use as a criteria oh, other God, than think... there being cats in <laughs> or that character being a cat? Um, how many times have they been cats in their story arcs? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, uh, Bob covered a lot of it, I think. Um, although when you talk about like historical significance and all of that, uh, I think Bob, you have like a little bit of a more personal connection to um, a lot of what that means. I'm old. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, but you're, you, you, you grew up with these characters for like years and, um, you know, like for, for us, I, I don't think it's as, um, like, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but no, I know, you know exactly what you're trying but to say. But it's also the yeah. thing for the, the great thing about having Bob on the show is that at least for the Marvel stuff, you know, you've been reading it mostly since they started that, that started yeah, yeah. right yeah. so it's not necessarily even history to you it's just what you experienced it's right facts. yeah yeah so i mean the history to you is obviously stuff before that it's the the dc and stuff be- right, before that age. yeah the golden age stuff um but silver age and on which a lot of people like stephanie i would think of like that's the historical stuff that's not for you that's what you experienced you know that's like me saying like in 20 years harry potter was historical you know exactly I, w- right. I won't think yeah. of it that way i'll be like that's just what i love that's just what i read yeah um and, and, and so it's different, right? You're absolutely right, Stephanie. Like, w- the, what I love about when you talk about stuff, Bob, with that this kind of stuff is that a lot of people will put things on lists because they feel like they're important, because they feel like they're supposed to put it on a list. But you were there, you know. <laughs> so it's not a it's not an abstract for you. It, it's an actual enjoyment. Um, and you're absolutely right, Stephanie. It's different than what you and I would would look at and do, right? When we're we're making that list. Yeah. Um. But then, you know, going forth from that, for me, um, you know, like, it's really hard to kind of discuss making a big list like this because a lot of things that I choose to read and characters that I choose to, you know, really identify with are characters that mean a lot to me personally, Mm -hmm. um, that resonate. So something that, like, I love might not be something that you guys love. Right. Um, But obviously that's not really the point. But Mm -hmm. um, I think... Like something like being a fleshed out, like how fleshed out of a character they are, um, as opposed to just kind of being um, like just a sponge that absorbs things, you know, like was this person, was this character, uh, like Kamala, for instance, you know, like before the first issue had even come out, G. Willow Wilson's like, oh yeah, she writes fan fiction about Thor? Uh, she's, she like sits at home and, you know, she's on fanfiction.net and she's like, oh my God, I just dream about like hanging out with Miss Marvel and doing this and doing that. And she writes all of her stories and, you know, it, it felt like G. Willow Wilson made up this person, drew her on a giant life-size piece of cardboard and turned her into like a real person and then like fleshed her out into person like I, I don't know she just made this incredibly well-rounded character um that felt like somebody that truly existed as opposed to a character in a story does that make sort yeah, of yes, sense absolutely um, she you feel like she exists outside of the pages that you're getting to read yeah yeah um so i guess uh relatability in a way um I like that like <laughs> it's hard <laughs> it's so hard uh, it is, and and honestly, it's it's hard as well because you're going to have different criteria for different kinds of characters. Yeah, um, you know, and I think 
I think in a lot of ways, the story arcs play into things. Um, how, how well has, um, this character, uh, you know, like come across over the years? Um, are we doing like, is it just top characters? Like, can it be villains and stuff too? Yeah, or? just ca- characters, characters. Characters. None of the um, heroes can be any character. How well does this person's motives, like the motives, um, I, I think that plays into it too. Is this person, like, the Joker is a great villain mm-hmm. uh, because he doesn't necessarily have a backstory. It's like, you know, in The Dark Knight Rises where um, Alfred's just saying that he wants to watch the world burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I love that about him because you don't need any more story to that. You just know that this character, his motives are, are pure insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it comes down to like over the years, has this character been true to what their motives have been? And, you know, like Gotham to me will never be um, like, I'm not trying to rag on this show, but like, you know, like, they're giving all these characters these backstories, but they don't necessarily line up with the character's true motives from continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that plays into a big part of it to me, because uh, I want to feel that this character has some semblance of, um, I mean, even if it doesn't really make sense, like, again, just watching the world burn, like, I want to know uh, where they're at. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with both of you in a lot of ways. I think um, longevity is obviously important to me. I think there there are characters, obviously, in the comic book, especially in the superhero realm, who transcend the books in which they're, they're even in. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. These are cultural icons. Wonder Woman. These are cultural icons uh, that that... It it does it doesn't it doesn't come down to if they'll be on the list. It comes down to where they will be right. on the list, right? Uh, and so those characters are incredibly important. Uh, but and staying power is important to me, not necessarily for in like as long as like historically you know historical longevity. But after I read something, after I take something in, I can love something the first time I read it and think it's the best thing in the world, and then preceding issues or a little bit of time. Maybe I still love it, but it goes from that initial rush of being, I think this is my favorite thing ever, to being like, this is my 15th favorite thing ever. <laughs> you know, so I, 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 I do really believe in letting things settle when it comes to lists like this. You know, um, you, you, when I make my own personal list with stuff like this, you won't see a lot of stuff from the year that I'm, in which I'm writing that list, or maybe even the year before that, who are new. Um, you won't see a lot of that. Uh, just because they're too fresh, you know. It's like uh, if I made a movie list, there wouldn't be really anything. Even if I loved, there probably wouldn't be anything from 2014 or 2013 on that list because I haven't been able to sit with it for, for, mm-hmm. for long enough. So that's important to me. Letting it sit with me is very important to me. Uh, and, you know, I, I definitely, there are definitely some characters where they are on my lists or close to the top of my list because they're very complex. Um, but as Stephanie was saying before, someone like the Joker, there are other characters who are near the top of my list because they're wonderfully not complex, you know, because they have one motivation and it's been carried out in such fascinating ways. Like the Joker is great, right? Because the Joker is the direct counterpoint to what Batman is. Batman is single minded in his desire for justice and Joker is single minded in his desire for injustice. That's just, and they're perfect foils for each other. 
Um, and that makes Joker a great character. Not to mention all the wonderful stories he's been in and all the depictions of him that have come. One of those elastic characters, you know, that, that exist. Uh, you know, but when you think of... It's tough, though, because with comic books especially, you have something... Someone like Batman, who's been around for 75 years, who has had a thousand stories written about him. And then you have a character, let's say, like Barbara Thorson in I Kill Giants. Mm. There's one miniseries. And, and you have to try to weigh in your brain what those two things mean against one another, you know? And for me, I have to go on, I have to leave in my brain the issue counts out of it. That, that might, that might change, you know, the, the ordering. It might change something from 52 to 36 or, you know, depending on, they've done it for so many more issues, but to me, I can't, I can't, I can't downgrade something because it was great in the amount of space that it chose to Absolutely. be in. You know what I mean? There was only ever supposed to be that many issues of I Kill Giants. They were all wonderful. She's such a great character. So I can't penalize her because there wasn't 75 years mm-hmm. worth of stories. So there, there's that stuff. And and obviously, you know, Seven, you talked about, you know, making your personal list versus a list that's more objective. Um, and when you do all time great lists, there can be some objectivity in them. But from, for the most part for me, I, I think objectivity in list making is a, is a falsity. You, you know, I feel like in, in some way, everything is subjective for you. Everything that you're creating, everything that you're doing, everything that you're, you're voting on is somewhere in your heart. It's not really in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you want to go off, Batman's had this many issues. He sold this many books. You could make that list, but that'd be a boring list to me. You know, if you're going off straight facts, it's a boring list to me. Um, because you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't believe that favorite lists should necessarily be the same thing as, um, a, a, the museum of of of, of right. the comic books, right? And I, I don't mean museum. the accepted wisdom list. Yes, so to speak. exactly. Right. And I don't mean museum in a denigrating like it's you no, belong no. in a museum like that kind of Indiana Jones. Sort of. Well, we had a question some while back: the comic book Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. and you, you're still, if you looked at that personally, it would be your personal. Mount Rushmore. Yeah. But if you were going to su- select, okay, here are the four people who are the mm. titans who put things where they are, that's going to get narrowed pretty yeah. quickly to yes. maybe 10 names that you yeah. narrow to the four. Mm-hmm. Where the other is, no, let, let's be free form. Mm-hmm. Let's say there is some of those other aspects are there, but it's all going to be colored by what's in your heart. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you, 70. If can you off the top of your head, not you know, not one number one, but what is one character that you would say would have to be on a top one hundred for you? Oh gosh, um, I mean, like outside of the regular stuff. I mean, obviously, yeah, outside of the ones we know are going to be on there. Um, like for me, Stephanie Brown as Batgirl is one of them. Um, okay. or like, um. Molly Hayes from Runaways. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about these characters a lot, but because they just like the Kamala thing, like they're just fleshed out characters to me. Like Molly is a little girl. Um, I think she's only like 13. She's like the youngest of the Runaways. She doesn't really want to run away from home, but everyone's like, no, you, you can't stay with super villain parents, crazy pants. She's like, but I want my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a kid and everyone thinks she's vulnerable. And this, you know, thing they have to protect, but she's super strong. Like she's the strongest out of all of them. And then you kind of get this mentality about her where you're thinking, oh my God, like she can take care of everyone else. Like, 
you know, they need her. She doesn't need them. But then, you know, there's this great aspect that Brian K. Vaughn brings to her character where she uses her powers and her powers make her really sleepy. Um, like she needs a nap after she uses her powers. And I just think there's a really amazing innocence to that character that um, often gets overlooked. You know, if mm-hmm. you're writing a kid character, you forget that they're kids at some point. Like they have superpowers, but it, it's like, oh, well, they must be adults now if they're superpowers. Maybe their motives aren't super great, but, you know, they can take care of themselves. And it, Molly is such a great example of a superhero character that's been written with really clever flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, that's just, it makes her, I mean, she's a mutant, but it makes her very based in humanity, based in our world, very realistic. And um, I, I really just think that's one of Brian K. Vaughn's ultimate moment in writing is creating this character. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's very a good one. Ni- very nicely stated. Yeah. yeah. Bob is not to guess because he has a list in front of him, but list in front of me. Yeah. So, um, to pick something out of a hat, to be a little out of the ordinary here, I have a couple of characters who are sort of on this list twice because they've had different guises and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But one that I think will make Stephanie happy, I have a character at number 100. <laughs> so you just said no number one. Yeah, you yeah. I couldn't say number 100. <laughs> True, I did. Um, it's a character created in the early 70s called The Cat. It's Greer Nelson who became Tigra eventually. <laughs> but higher up the list, located between Loki and Kang the Conqueror, is Patsy Walker. <gasps> who's Cat. Yes, who has been one of my favorites since they turned that character. She, Patsy Walker was in Marvel's romance books in the 40s and 50s. She was the friend, the best friend of Millie the model. Mm. Of course and, she was. <laughs> and Steve Englehart decided that I can use this character, I can bring her into the real Marvel universe and did an amazing adventures with Hank McCoy as the Beast. And then when he was doing the Avengers, her ex-husband, who was a real creepy guy, was in working for Roxxon and... She helped the Avengers get in there, and they were being attacked by super robots or whatever it was. And they found, buried in a corner in a, in a shipping crate, Greer Nelson's old cat outfit. <laughs> well, you got to help us here. Put this on. And it turns out she was every bit the hero that she would have fantasized about when she, was, she and Millie were looking at the superheroes running around in New York or whatever. And that character just grew from there, whether she was married to the son of Satan or dead and back or wherever has gone on, the new She-Hulk issues. Just been a great character, resurrected from nothing. Mm-hmm. And that that always speaks to me. You can bring a character back. There are a lot of those on my list of people who've had a second life, so to speak. And so throw the Hellcat in there. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, one of the ones that I, I, I always think about is a villain, actually. It's uh, Sinestro is one of those nice. characters. Um, you know, Always, I think, a pretty interesting villain, but, and this is one of those things where I, you see a writer take a character and make it into something that it wasn't before, and when Jeff Johns came and took that character and made him this completely layered, you know, sympathetic, but also completely not sympathetic villain at the same mm-hmm. time, someone willing to destroy worlds because he wanted to protect the world in which he came from. He didn't want to see happen to his world, what happened to all these others, you know, this, this very close line between 
who Hal Jordan was and who Sinestro was and how they were so different at their core, but, you know, so different on the surface, but their cores, they had very similar aims, you know? And I, I loved how Sinestro became this character that you didn't really, you didn't root for him, but you had this, these moments where you'd be like, I, I definitely can see what he's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, where he's coming from. He has some good points, and I feel the same way about someone, much more obvious character like Magneto, obviously, who I think is very much in that same vein, sure. right? A character that you go, okay, like, I, you're doing horrible things, but there's something about what you're saying that I feel like if I had gone down a different path or I had made the wrong decisions here, there, and here, or something really bad had happened to me here, would I be that far from, you know, making the the more normal person version of the decisions that you're making right now? You know, what would I sacrifice to save these people? What would I do in the name of saving people that I loved? And I found that to be fascinating about him. There's a couple characters, a couple villains like that as well. Like black Adam, I think is, is, is is one Mm -hmm. as well, but yeah, Sinestro was, was one that I definitely would put in the top 100 characters. Absolutely. It's so funny that Bob, I was like peeking at Bob's list as it was going down here. Um, I didn't realize Luke Cage was so high on, on your on your personal yeah. list. It's pretty crazy. Top 10. Yeah. Top 10 for Luke Cage. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so th- I mean, I, I want to have, we're going to have bigger discussions about this, obviously. And I think that if we make the list that I want to, obviously Steve will be here, but we'll also, I want to bring in feedback from other people around the site and stuff like that, because yeah. I want it to be a, a really a, a big, a big, big site-wide initiative to try to make this talking comics list of the top 100 characters of all time. But if you guys out there have any people you want to chime in with, please make sure that you um, you, you email us podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com or facebook.com slash talking comics or tweet us at talking comics. And if you do tweet us, use the hashtag TC top 100. So that way we can sort through them and, and, and name your your, uh, your your picks help remind us some of the ones we might have missed absolutely absolutely and I, I, i'm gonna think it's gonna happen tomorrow or the next day or next week or next month but this year we're definitely gonna put this list together and, and make and blow it out so i want to hear what you guys think um i also put out the call for some questions today and we got a few back um damon kerr has a very cheeky question for you stephanie um Uh-oh. this is full sarcasm on it <laughs> so just <laughs> He says, what will happen if the A-Force all get their periods? Um, the world will end. Okay. I think that's a good, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Um, all it's right. Like when all the planets come into alignment, <laughs> the gates of hell themselves open. <laughs> I like that. Um, Adam Houston wants to know, have any of you ever had a bad experience at a convention meeting an artist or writer you are a huge fan of? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Do you want to, without naming names, Bob? No, I'll, name, I'll okay. name the names because it has a, has a better ending. Okay. About 25 years ago, I went into one of the Big Apple shows in the city when they were much smaller. It was in a church over by uh, the old New York Coliseum up in the 50s somewhere. In a little side room was Jim Steranko. If you've never seen Jim Steranko, nothing but hear his tweets or whatever, Jim Steranko is about five foot six. Um, handsome fella, shock of white hair, whatever. And he had two absolutely gorgeous, like six foot models hanging all, all over him in this room full of some of his books, the old history of the comic books and paintings and prints or whatever. And there was this great, uh, Captain America cover painting. He had done a painted version of one of the covers he did in for those three issues that Cappy did. And I'm looking at this and I started to ask 
a question. You know, how much would that be? You can't afford it. <laughs> how do you know? I thought it was, you know, I walk around in Manhattan. I go into Tiffany's, and no one questions whether I can afford a diamond ring. And all this is running through my head. And I went, yeah, that's great. And just left. And I was sour and told this story for years. At the special edition show last year, had a whole table all set up. I had the most lovely conversation. It lasted like 40 minutes. Chatted about Captain America, his books, his history. We shared jokes and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, I had a really, really terrible experience that got turned around. So it's a bad story and a good story all at once. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, for me, I've never had like a really sour experience with anyone I was excited to to speak with. You know, I, I have had a couple run-ins with people at shows where they were just very curt or, you know, very, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. didn't seem very uninterested in talking to someone who was interested in their work. And that's disappointing. You know, especially at a convention, it's like I went up to them on the street or something. Right. You know, they're they're there to pimp their work, and, and, and so not a lot of uh, you know, not a lot of enthusiasm is a little bit troublesome. You know, the, the, and it's also different, a little different, I think, for us sometimes because we talk to these people, and it's weird when you talk to someone, and obviously they do hundreds of interviews. Mm-hmm. So, and then you go up and you talk to them, and they don't have any idea like they just look at me the glazed over look and that happened to me a couple times and i know didn't expect to give me a hug you know or anything or being like oh my god i love you so much but you know even a faking knowing would would have been nice hollywood kiss right exactly um so yeah so nothing horrible i mean other than the commission i got at the 2013 new york comic-con that never got given to me so that sucks uh but this it was artist named mike ratliff who was he he doesn't do anything he's not famous or anything but it, that was a really sour that's a really sour experience yeah. it's made me sour towards trusting any commission you know anytime i get a commission now i'm like can i give you half now and half when you finish it because i just get just when, you, got burned. when you get yeah, burned yeah. by it it's, it's just tough even even if they're reputable artists sometimes it's tough to get to take that out of your head uh but n- nothing really bad like that and le- and i don't want to say anybody's name because it's not that big of a deal yeah. and there's no happy ending like like, mine, <laughs> like yeah. yours Stephanie, what about you? I've had a couple, like, but like, uh, I think it was Emerald City two years ago, and uh, Bruce Tim was at his table, and I was so stoked because Bruce Tim, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody was at his booth at all. I, I was kind of like, do you guys not know that this is Bruce Tim? <laughs> guys, Bruce Tim. <laughs> so I wasn't trying to buy anything or whatever, and I just kind of went over um, just to, to say hi. Be like, I'm a big fan of your work. Um, so I went to like shake his hand and he just like looked at me and was like, no, 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 no. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and I found out like he was like a bit of a germaphobe afterwards. So that kind of made uh-huh. sense. But at the time I was like, fine, don't shake my hand. Be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I didn't act like that. But I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that was weird. And um, one other time, uh, and I won't name the name on this person, um, but, like, I went to their booth, and um, we had talked about them on one of our best of shows, and I did not root for them. <laughs> um, I I was not in this person's corner for their book. And that person was like, oh, yeah, no, I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, like, I'll, I will remember this. You wronged me. And he was like half joking. And then there was this like part that kind of felt like he wasn't. Um, wow. 
But then he like went on and like just like he didn't know me at all and just like overshared just a <laughs> lot of really weird stuff. And I was kind of like, I'm working. I need to get back to my table. <laughs> and like then he's like, oh, cool, 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 cool. And then like came over to my table with Bill later and then proceeded to like in front of Bill and like fans be like, Neil Adams' art is bullshit. Like, he's such a hat. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? I don't think you're allowed to say that. You draw, like, cartoons. <laughs> um, and, like, just, like, ranted. And Bill was like, who is this person? And I was like, oh, my God, please go away. And just, like, carried on about how, like, Neil Adams was a hack and was, like, screaming about it. And I was like, this is so awkward. <laughs> Um, so that was, that was a weird slash, like, weird, uh, experience. Yeah. That sounds like a weird experience. It it was. (laughs) We had one combined that I thought was not going to go well. Which one? Chris Claremont. Oh, I doubt, yeah, I was ready for that one. I was like, this is going to be one of those bad con stories (laughs) that he complains about to other people that I complain about, about him. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Because when we, we saw him, what was that Thursday? Yeah, right away, yeah. and and we tried to make arrangements to do an interview with him. A big fan, obviously, yeah, uh, a huge yeah. fan of Chris Claremont, and he was very—I don't want to say dismissive, but it was not exactly he was, welcoming. He was standoffish about it. Yeah, and we we'll speak to my uh, assistant. Yeah, and then it was just hours before we left on Saturday. Oh, how about tomorrow morning at ten? Yeah. <gasps> All right. Yeah. I, so I got home at about two in the morning. I was writing questions. Was up till about four. Back on the train at seven, and. He basically didn't have to ask this man a question. Yeah, he was generous in giving of his time and answers, mm-hmm. and was, mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure he gets a lot of like bogus requests, and a lot of people yeah. don't know what they're talking about and stuff like that. So that was nice. Yeah, he ended up being really great. Talked to us for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah he was awesome. It's still one of my favorite interviews that we've ever done yeah. uh, for the site. That was great. I will, I will tell one thing. So, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Look, if you don't want to give us an interview, that's totally fine. But Rob Liefeld, last Comic-Con, like, jerked us around for all four days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes me angry about it. Not not about, like, you know, that's fine. Don't do Just say no. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. People say no to us all the time. Yeah. Um, but we went to him on Thursday, and we asked him. I had emailed him before. You know, he had said, oh, just come see me at the con or whatever. We'll talk about it. And so he's so in the con. He said, um, I can't right now. Why don't you come back? Um... I think it was, he was there later in that day or at a certain time on, on Friday. And so he came back at that time that he appointed and he just wasn't there. He had left already. He had left the con. Um, we found him uh, on Saturday. He said to come back later. Um, he said he put us off again. said, how about tomorrow? And then on Sunday, I believe he wasn't there all day. So he, you know, he jerked us. We, we continually yeah. went out of our way to come find him and he didn't talk to us. And we've, listen, I've do- we've all dogged on his art a bunch but I think he has very interesting, insightful things to say yeah. sometimes about the comic book industry. And I wanted, I really wanted to talk to him. And he just kind of jerked us around. He's, and that sucked. He's such a weird dude, too. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, diss Rob Liefeld. But um, I run, like, my Toronto Geek Trivia account, too. And my friend Amelia, she posts up daily questions. And, like, very few people actually, like, there's not a lot of followers. But she still does it and has been for, like, two years. Um and she posted up a question about, like, who created Daredevil? Like, and she put the answer, and she was like, artist Rob Liefeld and writer 
blah, blah, blah. But she was just saying, like, you know, like, what they're known for. Like, you know, like, the artist. The, like, not saying that he designed. Anyways, Rob Liefeld himself responds and is like, no, I wrote the scripts. I wrote the scripts. You can ask anyone. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, she's not telling you that you didn't. She's saying the Rob Liefeld, the artist, mm-hmm. created this character. Not that you... But he, like... <laughs> It was just so weird. Yeah. It's like, cool, buddy. Thumbs up. Yeah, thanks. thanks for interacting. You meant to say Deadpool. You meant to say Deadpool, right? Not Daredevil? Er, yeah. Did I say Daredevil? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, whoops. Yeah. I meant Deadpool. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean that. Uh, that's weird. Yeah. Somebody, he, yeah. It, it just, and I wouldn't be sorry about it, but it just, I feel like he jerked us around and that was, that was not cool. Yeah. That was not, not cool. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for that, for that email, that email, that tweet, that tweet. Uh, James Hammond at part-time powers wants to know, how come no one has ever give Captain America a promotion? How about Sergeant America or maybe General America? <laughs> Bob? <laughs> Well, that's a good question. He was actually, you know, Private Steve Rogers. So I guess that was his promotion to captain. <laughs> has he ever? Has he been president or something at some point? He ran for president okay. once or twice right. uh, in the Bernie era. Uh, mm. Did that? Okay, that that would be a step up. He's been director of Shield, right? So I yeah. guess you could count that. But he's never been a captain except mm-hmm. in the movie where he's. <laughs> I outrank you. Yeah. Um, good question. He's got a very good question. Uh, Maria Norris wants to know: Are any of you guys reading Trees? If so, why not? It is amazing. A suggestion for shared book of the week? <laughs> Hashtag DC Podmail. Uh, I don't think any of us are reading it, right? I, I've read a couple issues. I'm just behind on it right now, though. Yeah. You're not currently reading it, though. You're not. You're not caught up on it, no. Stephanie. Okay. Uh, yeah, I read the first two issues, uh, and I gave up on reading it, and it was just because it was too. There wasn't enough development, I think, in those two issues. And Warren Ellis, for me, although it's not as confusing as, let's say, something like Supreme Blue Rose, which <laughs> I could not parse for here or there at all, even though I had gorgeous art, uh, it still was a little bit impenetrable to me. Uh, and with Warren Ellis, I feel like I need to read it in a block or I'm not really going to get what what's what's going on with it. So, yeah, I, that's that's why I don't I don't read it. Um Stephanie, what did what was your opinion of of the first couple of issues? I thought it was a really cool concept. Um, like, it just it, it was one of those books that felt like it was going to be read better in chunks, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like it, it's it's high on concept, but I, at least the ones I read, high on concept, light on plot. I feel like you know, oh. kind of issue or two, not too much had happened, and that's tough for me to do that week week to week, month month to month. For, for a book sorry maria sorry maria i don't still pl- please still listen to us um <laughs> utopia is really good though maria so um she's been i don't know if you guys have noticed maria talking about the tv show utopia uh, and telling us to watch it it is really good and it's about comic books okay. so oh. it's everyone should check that out what station is it on um i'm not sure if it's a bbc show i mean basically everything that's british airs here on bbc mm-hmm. america um but i know if i'm like it's a bbc show our friends across the pond are like no it's not <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's british yep okay it's really good check it out <laughs> there's two seasons of it um logan roland wants to know what are your loftiest dreams for the site and show hashtag tc pod mail 
<laughs> I want to rule Latveria. <laughs> Bob wants to rule Latveria. <laughs> um, I guess. That, that, it seems like a good gig, Bob. Seems like you're yeah. always fighting people. You're always <laughs> at war, it seems like. Yeah, that's true. It's never not a lot of peace for you guys. Um, I don't know, Stephanie, What? What do you, what's your loftiest goal for the site and for the show? I have, like, really broad kind of dreams for it. Um, you know, like, I want to continue being um, a place where anyone who wants to talk about representation has a safe and um, welcoming environment. I want to just keep putting out original content that makes people want to read and makes people say, oh, my God, have you heard of Talking Comics? Like, check them out. They just, you know, they say things that no one else says. I want to be that for comic books. I want to be a place where um, anyone who didn't think they could get into comic books can come and get into comic books um, between, you know, the podcast or articles or whatever. Uh, I, I just want to be the place for everybody, not just the place for people who love comics. Um, you know, I, I just want it to be all inclusive for everyone. And on like a personal level, you know, um, I've been doing these interviews since the beginning of the year. Um, and it's a little bit of an exercise for me to like, just, I, I don't want to become like freaking Wolf Blitzer or something. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. want to see you with a beard. Yeah, no, no. 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 Um, but we've already you know, we've already seen Stephanie with a beard. She's put up pictures true, before. Yes, yes. It's true. <laughs> Have I mentioned my Gandalf videos? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I I, I just want to like personally, I want to help. Um, you know, talk to all kinds of different people in the industry, and I, I want to help people find ways to be a part of this industry even if they're not writing or drawing comics, you know, like um, there's so many different aspects that you can kind of step in on. And um, I want to help showcase that world because I, I do think we need diversity. And the key to having diversity in our books is having diversity behind the scenes as well to kind of help promote um, that message. So, you know, like I want to keep doing those things so that people know what's up. Mm. Absolutely. Bob? The real answer. <laughs> what I would really love is for the overwhelmingly positive vibe we've created in our community and family of friends to spread to every place else in this industry, just that we continue to grow, and it changes people's opinions as to what this sort of interaction can be. Mm. Uh, I, this is a topic I think about a lot. <laughs> obviously um and you know i i share the the philosophical goals that that both of you both of you have stated obviously i I love the community that we've begun to foster and and but it's something that you need to need to be tended to it's like any other garden you know there's weeds that will pop up and Mm -hmm. you have to pull those weeds to make sure uh doing stuff something like this to me it's we we have a good thing going, but good things don't last by leaving them alone necessarily. You have to keep working, you have to keep pushing, you have to keep getting better. And I've tried to do that with the show. I've tried to change up things that we do on the show. Uh, and my hope for the the show is that it just 
continues to be a gateway for people to to people to have conversations and for people to funnel into the site through the podcast so they can experience the articles and stuff and the original content that Stephanie mentioned before that we're bringing in that that's what's happening now. But as far as lofty goals for me, you know, I, I I was talking about this the other day with someone, but I love creating content. I love doing this show I love doing the other shows when I'm on them. I love creating the videos. I love doing comics and coffee. I love coming up with ideas about how to make the site better, how to reach more people. And that's what I want to do. I want to always, and, and there's a part of me that I, I can't be 100% into it because I've got a job that I have to do. You know, I have to do my job. I have to pay my bills. I have to, I have to put myself more into that than I do into this. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, my goal is, ultimate goal is running not to have to do that anymore. It's to be able to put hundred percent into this for this thing to be a machine that makes and, and and can sustain itself and can at least sustain a few people to like, they, they can do it full time. Like I would, that's, that's my, that's my oh. dream. You know, we'd never be able to have a huge staff or anything like that, but to have a few people could do it full time and put all of their weight towards doing it and, and making it the best thing it can possibly be. That That's, you know, that's my ultimate goal. Um, I want to expand the other parts of the site. Like, Stephanie, as you were saying, bring in people who never thought they could be into comics um, into the comic book world until they can experience great comic book content. But, you know, we have these other avenues. We have the, the, the movies podcast and we have the games podcast, which are very specific in their own right, but are, are more broad topics and more mainstream topics that I feel like people come in for the comic books and they're like, Oh man, I, I know I love comics, but Oh, I can also stay here and check out this other mm-hmm. awesome stuff. And I want the content coming from both of those engines to grow. You know, I want, I, I, I want, um, you know, there to be more videos coming out of the game side of stuff. I want those to have like a burgeoning, like, like li- game live streaming thing that we do where people, it's something that people come for. It's part of our, it's part of what, what makes us great. And I, I want all that stuff. I want us just to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, you know, because as big as we might feel to people who are listening, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the internet world, we're relatively small. And it's great to have the community we have. And it's great because we can be this kind of family together. And as it gets bigger, it's going to be tougher to do that. But if we can reach people who didn't know we were there before who now feel like they can be part of, of this, then it's worth it. You know, you, you can, mm. the few weeds are worth it. If you're growing a, you know, a rose garden, you can, you can deal with a couple of weeds. Amen. Cause the, the, the end goal is the most important thing, you know? And, and I always, I've always wanted it to be bigger than any one individual, you know, but, and Stephanie and I talked about this. Stephanie and I have a lot of conversations about the direction <laughs> of the site. Um, she is the main person that I bounce ideas off of um, and, and that helps and, and is instrumental in implementing just about any change or big initiative that happens on the site. It's because of Stephanie. And we spent a lot of time talking about this. And one of our more, more recent conversations was about changing the content on the site from something that is review driven, something that's personality driven, right? I want people's, I want personality to be a forefront here. Um, you want to be able to have to come talking comics for things you can't get anywhere else, as Stephanie was saying before. And we've managed to do that with some great articles. Um, but there's other opportunities. And I want to tell people who are listening out there, 
if you have a, you think you have a unique voice and you want to be part of what we do, it doesn't have to be writing anymore. Like I, I want to see more video. I want, I want to see ah. more, more audio, maybe more image based, whatever it might be. I want more of that stuff on the site. I want our site to shine in different ways. So you, you get in contact with us and you let us know. I got to tell you, there's a, there's a person last week. I read out a tweet and I was like, wow, that's like the best written tweet I've ever seen. That person, I said that, they wrote me a letter. They said, hey, would you mind if I sent you a sample? Because I'd love to write for you guys. They sent me a sample. They're awesome. And they're going to start writing for us. So th- th- that's, yeah. you, know, you know, come with us with originality. Come with us with a voice. Be part of it. And it will grow. It will, it, will, it will grow. And I can't promise you anything other than hopefully you feeling creatively fulfilled. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a reward somewhere at the end of the road. So... I just wanted to get bigger. I wanted to be more people. I wanted to represent more people. And uh, I, I think we can get there. It's just going to take work. You know, things take time. Things take a lot of time. We've been doing this for over three years. And, you know, we've got a respectable amount of listeners. But it, it took, a, took a really long time. It doesn't... Things don't happen overnight. And uh, it's going to keep being that way. You know, yeah. I would love it for us to have 100,000 listeners and to be one of, one of, you know, one of the big boys. But it takes time. People... Yeah. People work a really long time to get that stuff done, and we're no different. So, and in between, there are those plateaus where you say, "What just happened? How yeah, we were doing this, and then absolutely nothing for a while. You coast, and all of a sudden, there's a burst. Yeah, absolutely, get, absolutely. Get your usually, energy back usually, up. it usually goes around a movie. <laughs> Whenever we yeah. there's a big movie that comes out, our listenership goes up. Uh, funny how that happens. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for that question, Logan, and thank you to everyone else who who wrote in. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, like I said, at Talking Comics on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Talking Comics and TalkingComicBooks.com is the website where you can find all those great reviews and articles um, and columns that, that have been going up. Uh, it's where you can get this podcast, of course, um, and all their other really great podcasts. Uh, Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood just celebrated their year anniversary Yay. for the Misfits. Happy anniversary. Thank so happy you. Anniversary. The episode uh, was so much fun. Especially once I figured out a better way than what I was doing to do in call-ins halfway during the show. <laughs> so, yeah, you did a call-in show, which is awesome. Yes. Um, and we're going to should... do some more in the future, I think. Cool. We, we tried to call Bob, but all we got was his very clever answering machine. And poor Bobby was sick and Steve was in Canada. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But What day was this? Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Aww. Bob. I know. We should have We should have done prep. Mara's yeah. the prep person, not me. Yes, I, d- I definitely would have. <laughs> I know. It was my Did own fault. Did you put my answering machine on the air? But you, I haven't listened to the show yet. You are our... Next time we do a call-in show, Bob, you better be there. Or I, we're I done was with there. You. Or we're done I was, with you. I was there. If you had left a message, I'd have picked up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um... But yeah, so year anniversary, it's awesome. I can't, can't believe it's been a freaking year. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. I, um, I'm so proud of them. I mean, Mar- Mara like is in school. She has a job. And mm-hmm. Melissa has Mad Max and her full-time <laughs> job. Um, and, you know, initially we did two, two shows a month. And now we're weekly. And, like, it's crazy. I love these girls. And, I mean, I love you guys, too. It's just, you know, it's different shows. And I love doing both of them. You better say that. Shut up, Bobby. I'm trying to be emotional. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. It, it, it's it's awesome. No, I, I, when we did that Women in Comics Week and you guys took over the show, 
for that week. It's awesome that this has spun out of that and yeah. become its own thing. And, and it's just great. Well, and I'm I mean, really proud to have it on the site. Initially, it was all kind of like people were like, oh, this would be so great to do, you know, regularly. And I, I thought, you know, people were just like saying that. And then there was like a genuine demand for us to do it. Um, and it, that gave us all warm fuzzy. So <laughs> we obviously did it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, of course, we have uh, Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa and Nick Scalia. They just did two-part top 50 movies of all time. So check that out. Um, uh, Talking Valiant with Adam Shaw. And, of course, Talking Games uh, with uh, Steve Say, Jackie Turner, Justin Townsend, and Rob Newmeyer. Uh, Steve is out this week, just like he's out on this podcast. So I'll be on that podcast this oh. week as well. So you can check that out. Um, yeah. And those are all the podcasts that we do for now. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. we we did uh we we the feed is approved by the way um i'm gonna put a link to it on the site this week uh so talk uh, so comics and coffee will be a podcast as will we'll start adding other things whenever we do kind of ancillary things or extra stuff that'll get added to that as well so um yeah so that's there it's called talking comics uh special edition so uh we'll make sure to put that on the site very very soon um I think that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast yeah. for, for, for this week. Um, if you want to get in touch with us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right. So that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Bob. Come home soon, Steve. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>